Welcome to the Laser Therapy Institute weekly podcast, the world's first podcast about medical laser therapy for healthcare providers. Each week, we discuss the latest research, interviews with experts, and how laser therapy can enhance your practice. Now, here is the founder of LTI and your host, Dr. Jason Roundtree. Hello again. Thanks for joining us on this week's episode of the Laser Therapy Institute podcast. My name is Dr. Jason Roundtree. I'll be your host today, and we're talking about hypothyroidism, hypothyroidism, specifically chronic autoimmune thyroiditis. Uh, you can probably you know, guess if you've been listening to the podcast, what I'm going to tell you is that laser can actually help address hypothyroidism. So that's the spoiler alert for the end there. But what I want to do with this episode is go through a review on how the thyroid works. Now you may be an absolute expert in the thyroid. So that's great, but if you're anything like me, you had a kind of bare bones version of this in school. It's not something you necessarily use every day. And when you start getting into how thyroid disorders work, well, it's kind of a relearning process. So for some of us, this might be a reminder. For those of you who already really have this nailed down, great, let me know if I mess something up. And uh, if you're not really familiar with the way the thyroid works, this is not gonna be uh, a college course in uh, metabolism, but just to give you an idea of what the mechanisms are for the thyroid to work and then how these things need to be addressed, I want to go through that. I want to go through some of the details there and why the medications and supplement strategies work the way they do. And then we'll talk about the study today. And this one is titled Low Level Laser Therapy in Chronic Autoimmune Thyroiditis, a pilot study. It was published in 2010 in Lasers in Surgery and Medicine. And this is really commonly known as the Brazil study. If you do anything with uh, research on the thyroid or laser research especially, you've probably heard of this one before. So we're going to be covering it. But like I said, first let's talk about normal thyroid function. Normal thyroid should start with uh, the hypothalamus. The hypothalamus produces uh, thyrotrophin-releasing hormone, or TRH, and that in turn stimulates the pituitary to produce thyroid stimulating hormone, TSH. TSH then interacts with the thyroid um, and in uh, combination with iodine produces the thyroid hormones, which are T4, T3, and calcitonin. And we're not gonna really talk about calcitonin here. T4 and T3 are the metabolic, metabolically active uh, hormones here, so we're going to talk about those mainly. Now, the more T4 and T3 you have, the more inhibition you have on production of TRH and TSH. So, and once your levels are, are normalized, you have very little TRH, TSH, it's coming out, being produced, but if your levels of T4 and T3 drop below where they should be, that stimulates the hypothalamus to produce more of that TRH, and then you get more TSH2. Your Annual blood draws that your primary care doctors will do typically will include TSH and T4 as those are kind of good basic markers for how the thyroid is doing, how the body is doing on the metabolic side. Um, but with all the acronyms you've already heard me say, you can probably tell right off the bat, that's not really a complete picture. So TSH and T4, and that can give you an idea, but it does not tell you enough about the way the thyroid is working. We'll go back to blood testing here in a second. We'll keep pushing. So we got TRH from the hypothalamus, which produces or stimulates the pituitary to produce TSH. And then the TSH 
works with the thyroid gland, which uses up iodine to produce T4, T3, and calcitonin. The more T4 and T3 you have, that inhibits the TRH and TSH production. TRH, um, or excuse me, T4 really is what acts as a supply source for T3, because T3 is the metabolically more active hormone. T4 has some activity, but T3 is the more potent one. So T4 is actually converted uh, as needed in the tissues by deiodinase. And deiodinases use selenium for their action, for their activity. So converting T4 to the more metabolically active T3 really depends on uh, good, uh, good intake of selenium, which people don't need a lot of, but you do need some. And you can see some people that end up uh, being deficient in selenium. So T3 then binds to different cellular receptors, and that stimulates uh, improved cardiac output, uh, manages heart rate, breathing rate, respiration, uh, brain development in children, uh, protein and carb, uh, carbohydrate catabolism, and uh, then of course the basal metabolic rate. So when we talk about that, you know, that's, that's kind of your normal function. When we talk about evaluating a patient's thyroid, there are several things to look at there. You want to know where their TSH levels are and their T4. I mean, that, that's very simple, but it's a good idea to know what the free T3 or the, um, uh, the reverse T3 even, what those levels are to see if you're getting proper conversion of T4 into T3. Because you can have a properly working thyroid and enough iodine in the diet, but if you don't have enough selenium, you're gonna end up with a surplus of T4, not enough T3, and the patient will have symptoms of hypothyroidism. Even though, even though your T4 levels are good, TSH might be up a little bit even, um, but uh, you're not getting enough T3 converted. Now, selenium is really easy to get. It's a very simple supplement. It's low dose. You don't want to let people take too much of that um, because it is, it is one of the minerals that can kind of build up in your system and become toxic. So, small doses, but, but it's not uncommon to find somebody being a little bit deficient in selenium. Uh, iodine is another one that we've been seeing more of in the last few years too because we've got people that are moving away from the, uh, the, the standard table salt that has iodine added to it and a lot of people that have been using now sometimes for years um, Himalayan salts or sea salt or other, other salt sources and they're just not really getting iodine from table salt um, so you can see a reduction of thyroid function just based on iodine presence too. So that's something else to think about when you're evaluating the patient. What's their iodine intake like? What is their selenium intake like? Are they converting T4 to T3 correctly? Are they producing enough T4 and T3? Where's their TSH as well? There's one other component here too when it comes to chronic autoimmune thyroiditis and that's where we're going to get more specific here in a second. With chronic autoimmune thyroiditis, you also have a couple of antibody markers that you probably want to test if you're suspicious your patient has this. So that's going to be thyroid peroxidase antibodies and thyroglobulin antibodies. That will oftentimes show you inflammation in the thyroid even before it really becomes noticeable in the TSH and T4 levels. And if your patient is showing some signs of hypothyroidism, where they're getting, uh, they've got low energy, weight gain, they're not sleeping well, and so forth. 
and you're suspicious that they're going through thyroid problems, that's those antibody tests could be good to help you spot the problem early on. So what I do in my practice when I've got somebody that I'm concerned about their thyroid is I'll run the TSH, free T3, free T4, the thyroid peroxidase antibodies and the thyroglobulin antibodies. That those five, I mean there's other tests you can do too, but those five give you a really good idea on is the body producing enough T4 and T3? Is it able to convert T4 into T3? Um, and is there any level of, of inflammation going on that could be inhibiting thyroid activity? Okay, so there's your down and dirty description of thyroid function and the way all those hormones interact together um, and, and why this is a little bit complex. Again, if you're an expert in metabolism, you already know all that, but a lot of us out here in the field that don't work with this stuff every day probably don't remember a lot of this from school or, you know, uh, if you're like me, might not have described a lot of importance to it because we didn't necessarily think we'd be working with hypothyroidism, what we'd be doing. But I'm telling you, with laser and hypothyroidism, there's, there's some interesting things in this study. So we'll go ahead and jump into chronic autoimmune thyroiditis in particular. That is an autoimmune disease and it is chronic inflammation within the thyroid tissues and it causes cellular destruction of the thyroid gland itself which decreases the production of T4 and T3. That in turn stimulates the increase of TSH. So the blood work for patients who are hypothyroid, especially chronic autoimmune or hypothyroid patient, is gonna show you uh, decreased T4 and increased TSH if they just got kind of the standard annual physical done. If you did the advanced testing, what you'll notice is decreased T4, decreased T3, increased TSH, and one or both of the antibody markers will also be up. And that's where you can very confidently say, okay, this is chronic autoimmune thyroiditis. The typical treatment for this right now is to supplement the body with a T4 replacement, so levothyroxine. Um, and then in some cases also selenium. And again, going back to selenium is what enables deiodinase to, tra to transfer a T4 into T3, which is metabolically more active form. Now, um, this study that I mentioned at the top, low-level laser therapy in chronic autoimmune thyroiditis, a pilot study, dove into uh, this, this particular condition to see if laser could be effective because, I'll, I'll give you a quote here, an ideal therapy for chronic autoimmune thyroiditis would be efficient in reestablishing immunological tolerance and regenerating damaged thyroid tissues so that the patient could regain normal thyroid function and cease using levothyroxine. Well, I mean, that sounds obvious, right? If you, an ideal, in an ideal perfect world, you just have the thyroid gland grow back and then be normalized and start producing its hormones again. Now that's a very foreign idea to most practitioners because we're not used to the idea of actually regenerating tissues. But these researchers um, then uh, went on to say that look, laser has been shown to be effective in treating autoimmune disease such as rheumatoid arthritis and Sjogren's. And there's evidence that laser therapy can facilitate the regeneration of various tissues. Uh, and in animal thyroid, testing can lead to improvements in microcirculation and increases in serum T3 and T4 levels. So they say further on that uh, evaluating laser with regard to the thyroid itself is pretty interesting because for one, the thyroid is superficial and the laser can easily access it transcutaneously. 
Number two, the procedure is non-invasive and painless. Number three, it's low risk because it does not involve the use of ionizing radiation. And number four, it's low cost. I mean, we're not talking about a lot of equipment here. We're not talking about a huge amount of time invested or, or medicine that has to be delivered. So there's some advantages there to looking at this. And, and so really, laser therapy, in theory at least, is ideally suited to helping a inflamed and damaged gland, especially one that's very close to the surface of the body. So they took 15 patients that have chronic autoimmune thyroiditis for uh, an average of about four and a half years. They had been taking levothyroxine, and the researchers went ahead and did a diagnostic ultrasound on the thyroid both before and then 30 days after laser treatments were done. They also did labs, uh, blood work on the, on the patients before laser started, and then at the one month, two month, three month, and nine month marks. And they also, because these people were taking levothyroxine, they went ahead and, um, and maintained the dosage until they did the post-laser ultrasound, at which point they discontinued it for all patients. Then, over the next couple months, they gradually reintroduced levothyroxine to patients until the lab results and the clinical findings uh, were back to normal. So they did laser, then they took away the levothyroxine, and then as they needed to, they added it back in. Now this is interesting because uh, they used lab values to drive a lot of this, and so taking someone off of that levothyroxine allowed the body to, if it was going to, be able to start producing the right levels of TSH um, for the thyroid's ability to produce T3 and T4. For the laser treatment itself, they did a total of 10 treatments uh, twice a week. They used a continuous wave, 50 milliwatt laser, and total average joules delivered of about 70 joules, so fairly uh, low dose here uh, for, the, for the thyroid, actually very low dose. And, and so here's what they saw. Several things. Number one was the reduced need for levothyroxine in every patient that was treated. And 47% of them didn't need to go back on levothyroxine at all. So almost half of these patients were able to go completely off of the prescription and still have normal lab values for T3, T4. The other half did not need to go back on as much. They did not need as much uh, of their levothyroxine to have normal values. And this was only 10 treatments over five weeks. This is not a lot of treatment to significantly impact the way these patients were treated and the way they were doing with or without medication. They also, of course, like I said before, did an ultrasound, diagnostic ultrasound before and 30 days after. And what they saw was that thyroid volume was normalized in 43% of patients. There was no nodule development and they had improved tissue consistency and more normalized vascularization, which all of those things suffer in chronic immune thyroiditis here because you're actually talking about destroying the thyroid uh, tissue itself. They also saw a reduction in the numbers on the antibody counts with the thyroid peroxidase and the thyroglobulin. So that right there uh, should tell us a lot about the ability of the laser to stimulate not only improved tissue function, but even improved 
tissues themselves, regenerated tissues that then produce what they're supposed to. When you're talking about chronic autoimmune thyroiditis, this is a pretty hopeless disorder for most people. They've just been told, and matter of fact, I just had a patient uh, a couple weeks ago that was told by his primary care, we're just going to let that burn itself out and then we'll give you medication. And you know, that's, that's what a lot of us have been taught is that that is all that's available. Why even mess with it? It doesn't matter. You just put the patient on levothyroxine when they, uh, you know, get, uh, get to the point that they really need it. Well, okay, sure. But that's difficult to manage for one thing, because those numbers do have to be adjusted and you have to can continuously maintain it. And it does introduce uh, another variable into sometimes a complicated health condition for a patient. One more medication to take, one more set of side effects, just one more thing you have to monitor. And for a lot of people, this isn't the biggest thing that they're worried about, but if they have multiple disorders, this is just another problem to deal with. Further, if you have chronic autoimmune thyroiditis, it is likely that somewhere else in the body you are having autoimmune symptoms as well. This, this particular process has not been linked to any other inflammatory procedure, but just think about it for a minute. If you've got enough inflammation in the thyroid gland that it's destroyed that gland and it cannot work, is that likely happening somewhere else? Maybe not detectable? In my opinion, yes. Uh, is it potentially going to affect the patient's musculoskeletal conditions? Potentially, yes. So there is value, there is benefit in restoring normal function here when possible. Now, if you're a practitioner, if you're using laser in your practice, this is something that you really have to, you cannot just start lasering thyroids tomorrow. This is, this is not FDA cleared. This is very much an off-label use. This is very particular about the way it has to be done. And these researchers were able to show good results, but again, very, very low doses. They have a very, they had a particular pattern they followed. Um, I would encourage you to, if you're interested in getting thyroids treated, hypothyroid in particular, treated in your office, that you come talk to us or talk to somebody who's an expert in this field and has done this for a while. There are things you need to be aware of that I just cannot get into today. We're out of time. But I, I, I very strongly caution you, despite the results on this study and the, the promises out there of being able to regenerate uh, tissues and, and restore function, it has to be done right. This is not one you can just play around with and figure out. You need to do it right if the patient's going to see good results and if it's going to be safe. There are certain risk factors here when we start talking about thyroid storm. So if you have questions on that, please email us. That's info at lasertherapyinstitute.org. You can get a hold of us. We'll give you information. We'll talk to you about what type of training is required. Um, and would, we really want to see people improving their patients' lives. And this is one really big uh, potential here for, for really helping somebody uh, on the long run. But it has to be done right. So any questions, any additional information that you want, or if you want to know more about our training programs, go ahead, get in contact with us, and then I will see you next week. Subscribe now to keep learning about the growing field of laser therapy. Check out our patient-focused podcast, Healing at the Speed of Light, a great resource for your patients. For massive practice growth and improved patient outcomes, become a certified Laser Therapy Institute clinic. Learn how at lasertherapyinstitute.org.